This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, now, what do we want when we're craving protein or we need more energy? Not bars, not a sugary snack, not an energy drink. We want beef, pure and simple. So where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper beef jerky. Old Trapper is not your old man's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. Old Trapper beef jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. That way it's tender and tasty, not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for their relentless commitment to quality. What I'm saying is they take smoked beef extremely seriously, and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein, and it comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest that goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares or trapper with your beef. So all of these pressures, and I'm talking to nobody about none of it. So you build up that pressure. The way that I see it is like a pot. You put this pot on the stove with a bunch of water in it, and you turn that heat up, and if that pressure has no way to get out. It's going to build and build until all of a sudden someone opens that lid, and boom, it explodes on that person. Hey, what's cracking? Welcome to the Jim Rome Podcast. We are crushing it this week for episode 202 with a man who spent well over a decade crushing people in the NFL. But my guest today was not just a beast. He is a straight-up legend of the game, a nine-time Pro Bowler, a 2000s all-decade teamer, and a Pro Football Hall of Famer. This week, I am joined by one of the best safeties who ever lived, Weapon X himself, Brian Dawkins. Brian spent 16 outstanding NFL seasons with the Eagles and the Broncos after a legendary college career at Clemson. And he has kept right on crushing it in retirement, winning a Lombardi with the Eagles as their executive of football ops for player development. He also has authored a book entitled Blessed by the Best, My Journey to Canton and Beyond. In other words, Weapon X has lived his full football life as pretty much anybody ever and continues to live life to its fullest and continues to push himself to be even better. So let's not waste any time getting straight to the raw, extended, and unfiltered good stuff. It is episode 202 with Pro Football Hall of Famer Brian Dawkins, and it's coming at you right now. Brian, an absolute pleasure to have you back on this program, in this case, a podcast. So good to get caught up, Doc. How you doing? How are things? <laughs> things are going. Things are going well. Kids are getting older and I'm um, getting more seasoned. 
<laughs> That's a great way of putting it, and both those things are true. Listen, we have a lot of ground to cover, and I want to get to it as quickly as I can. You've got a great book out called Blessed by the Best, which I want to get to. Let me start right here, though. You were a monster on the field. You were a beast in the heat that you brought, but there were bigger, faster guys that you were running with and going up against. As you look back on your career, Brian, you were one of the best to ever do it. So if there were bigger, stronger, faster guys when you were coming up, ultimately, what was your separation? Uh, my, my separation, I believe, was my passion um, that I played the game with. The love that I played it with, but the passion that I played it with. I always looked at myself to be um, slighted, to be honest with you, even in the neighborhood. And so I had a fighter's mentality. And I believe that because I fought the way that I fought, grinded the way that I grinded, tried to outwork everybody around me, I believe I brought out as much, if not everything, that I had athletically to play the game of football. All right, so Brian, you mentioned the neighborhood. I think you kind of answered my next question, but I was going to ask you it like this. You grew up in Jacksonville. I was going to say, were folks around the neighborhood looking at you and saying, he's the one. Brian's the one who's going to go to college. B-Doc is the one who's going to make it out of here and get to the show. He's the one. Is that how it was? <laughs> no, <laughs> not even not even close. Um, I was, was it the biggest kid on the block and as my friend called it I, I was not an avatar right so I was you know I didn't look I was not the first guy that you want to get off the bus when you're about to play a game that wasn't me that was never me I was always one of the guys that set crisscross applesauce in the front when you take pictures because I was always one of the shorter guys and so I always felt I had to outwork everybody around me those bigger individuals that may look a specific way the one thing that you can never measure is a person's heart and that is what I believe allowed me to have the success that I had because I wasn't looked to be the one to come out of Jacksonville, to go to college, to go to the NFL. I took that and added that as fuel to my fire, doggone it. All right, so I was going to say, we're getting to the good stuff already. You had to create a certain mindset, a certain mindset to not only survive, but to thrive. So what was that mindset? You're touching on this. I'm curious, Brian, what was the mindset? What kind of fuel were you running on? Wow, I was running on fuel that my dad gave me, my mom gave me, and it, this is in the book. And it, sometimes you look back in your life, there are things that you were programmed to do, <laughs> paradigm-wise. Some are good and some are bad. These two were actually powerful instruments for me, and I use these to this day. One of them was by my dad, and he talked about when you start something, you finish it. And not only do you finish it, you give all that you have, every effort you have into doing whatever it is you're tasked to do, no matter if you like it or not, and you stay coachable the whole time. All right? That's one of the principles he taught me, and I've used that in my life, no matter where I found myself. And the more I grew into that, I, I, I say it like this now. I grow where I find myself. I find the nugget, and then I give more than is expected of me because I'm always going hard. I'm always going to do more than what you expect while I'm in the thing, right? And then my mom taught me about fighting. She taught me that you don't start the fight, you finish it. But you don't just fight. You fight in such a way that they have to pull you off the person. That's how you fight. So <laughs> you put those two ingredients together, that's how I've attacked a lot of things in my life. And it's, I've had a lot of success doing it. And what I'm hearing, Brian, from you is that you're still approaching your life and you still have that same mindset. You still have that same kind of fight. Yeah, I mean, you are a devout man, a peaceful man, but you're still going to attack these things. I want to touch on one thing. You said you were programmed with some good things and maybe programmed with some things that were not as good. 
Was there certain programming that you had to deprogram, so to speak, certain bad things that you had to deprogram? Yeah. So when you have the fuel to utilize that says you can't do something, that's fuel to be used in a positive way. But sometimes in your down moments, when success is not happening, that same, I call it stinking thinking, that type of thinking, can lead you down the other path that maybe they're right. Maybe it's not supposed to be me. Maybe that other person is just better than me. And this is the results of it. So I could have gone in either way in some, some moments if I'm not having success. Success, as Charles Barkley, I heard say one time, is the best deodorant there is, right? It covers up a whole bunch of stinky stuff, right? So when you're having success, you know, you can continue to push through that, 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 that mindset. But when you're not having success and things are not going your way, and you begin to trickle down that other path as far as using that conversation in a, in a negative way, it could prevent you, it could have, excuse me, prevented me from going all in or, or continuing on. But it goes back to what my dad said. If I start it, I'm going to finish it. So that principle, that principle right there allowed me, I believe, to have a lot of, of the success that I've had because I, I've, I refuse to quit no matter what, unless it's an abuseful situation, that's different. But in the book, I talked about Coach Humphreys and some of the things that he had us doing, running more than a track team, and he was a basketball coach. But because I'm not going to quit, I'm a, there's nothing that, that dude can do. There's nothing that dude can break to do to break me, excuse me. And because if he can't break me at that young age, I took that same mindset to Clemson. I took that same mindset to the National Football League. Whatever you do, you won't be able to break me because Coach Hump couldn't break me because I wouldn't quit. That's it. I, I was friends with a Navy SEAL, Brian, back in the day named Richard Makowitz, and I used to train with him. He he had a martial arts discipline that he had trademarked. He was a black belt, and he would say, not dead, can't quit, not dead, can't quit, not dead, can't quit. That's how he got through Hell Week. That's how he became a Navy SEAL. That's how he got through his life, not dead, can't quit. I think in large part, that's what you're saying. Now, we're talking about your book. Your book is called Blessed by the Best, and there's so much great, great insight and material in this book, including, of course, a great deal of what you talked about in your Hall of Fame induction ceremony regarding mental health, except you do not refer to it as mental health, but rather cerebral wellness. Why is that? What is the difference? Wow. So I, I believe that the things that you say to yourself on a regular basis can help you or hinder you. And if you continue to say negative things to yourself, that will hinder you in the long run. That's what I believe. Now, when you say mental health, when I say mental illness, excuse me, mental health, excuse me, coming from where I came from, the word mental itself was a negative thing. Mental. So when you say someone is acting mental, what are you saying? They're acting, they don't, they need to be in a straitjacket. They need to, something's wrong with them. Like you need to see a shrink, which was a bad thing. So all of these bad connotations come from just the word mental. I'm not saying that it exists that way, because if you look at the word mental, you know, the definition is not that. But because my perception of it was that, your perception of something becomes your reality, right? And so I changed it to my cerebral wellness. Cerebral has to do with more of, more information gathering, right? You're not just making emotional decisions. And then wellness has to do with the things that you do on a daily basis in order for you to be healthy mentally and mentally, physically, but also add spiritually in as well. So when you add those two together, you're gathering more information. You're not just going off of emotions. 
and then you're doing specific things on a daily basis, a regimen, a discipline, in order for you to be strong mentally, uh, physically, and spiritually, right? Uh, so uh, that's why the two connect for me, and that's why I call it cerebral wellness. It's the holidays and you deserve a gift. So how about a gift that keeps on giving you joy and comfort every single day all year long? A gift that looks as good as it feels. A gift that will actually pay for itself in terms of how much more productivity that you'll have at work. Of course, I'm talking about giving yourself the gift of an X chair. I absolutely love mine. It is by far the most comfortable and ergonomic chair that I've ever used. And honestly, it's got to be the coolest looking piece of furniture I own, hands down. Not only is X-Chair the world's best office chair, but with its patented LMAX technology, it doubles as a massage chair and can either warm or cool your back. Can your office chair do that? I don't think so. Now is the perfect time to purchase an X-Chair. Buy early, buy now. And here is X-Chair's holiday gift to you. Save 100 bucks off your X-Chair just by purchasing it at xchairrome.com. Right now, that's the letter X, chair, R-O-M-E.com. X-Chair has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort, and you can finance your purchase for as little as 30 bucks a month. Go to xchairrome.com and save xchairrome.com. All right, so there's a lot of really good stuff in there, and I want to talk to you in a moment, Brian, about some of these things that you do on a daily basis that keep you on the winning path, and I want to get to that, but I do want to ask you this. So like, if you're coming up in Jacksonville, and at that time, that was your perception, that you do not talk about your feelings, you do not talk about these things at all, right? If you're struggling, what would happen if you would suppress that, and you didn't really know what to do with it, and you didn't understand it, and you were struggling with it, but there wasn't a consistent with release for it how did that affect you well and, and that's the thing about it when you tell someone to suck it up to deal with it and that's a broad statement for everything and they do everything that way sometimes some of the traumas that i've seen in my life you don't know how to express those things right and then you're not being told that it's okay to talk about these things some of the um household rules of what goes on in the house stays in the house, right? It goal is a good thing for the most part, unless it's traumatic things happening. And then you need to express those things. So when you don't do that, I know this now, it begins to leak into other areas of your life. You begin to be more short patient with people. You people, you know, you may act out and, and violence and begin to fight. You may be come um, as a teenager or, or even young person become more um, apt to try drugs and try alcohol to mask some of the pain, right? So these are some of the things that you can get into if you don't have these outlets. I was blessed to have sports as an outlet. It's blessed me tremendously to have basketball, to have football, and then when um, basketball was over, well, basketball is never really over because you have PAL, you have AAU, so that basically takes you right back into football again. So I was always, and my father moved, when he moved us, when I, when I was born, he moved us right around the corner from a park, and one of the statements that he said is that he did that on purpose so that we can get out and be around young people and be playing and be active so we won't be sitting around doing <laughs> dumb stuff like we would do but if you add now you add traumatic experiences on that that you don't feel like you can talk to anybody about yes you're going to begin to act out and do things that are going to be detrimental to you 
Yeah, see, I would imagine, like, you might say to me that there was some release. Like, I could run around the football field, I could hit guys, and that felt good. But that was just only a couple hours out of the day. Like, you had to live with yourself the other 22 hours. So if you're dealing with some really traumatic things, and you're not really allowed to talk about it, and you don't really know how to work through it, then all of a sudden you're dealing with these pains. Like, early in your NFL career, were there dark times, and did you consider self-harm? Absolutely. And that's one of the things I talked about in my Hall of Fame speech. Right. Is when I went into the depression, and depression, depression speaks to me more of, of things from your past that you haven't come to grips with, things that you haven't reframed, as I say it now, into a positive light for yourself. So it's things from my past that I was not talking about. It's uh, toxins that were being slowly released into my system, that was literally having me implode from the inside out because I now had more pressures coming my way being a rookie having a lot expected of me, a new family, a, a son that was kind of colicky at times. And so all of these pressures, and I'm talking to nobody about none of it. So you build up that pressure. The way that I see it is like a pot. You put this pot on the stove with a bunch of water in it, and you turn that heat up. And if that pressure has no way to get out, it's going to build and build until all of a sudden someone opens that lid and boom, it explodes on that person. And that's what that that is what was happening. I had anger issues because of that. So learning how, especially to get first of all, getting help. And, and I did. I went to get help um, at the at the strong request of my beautiful wife, Connie and Emmett Thomas, who was my defensive back coach at the time. They basically grabbed, hold, held my hand and say, no, you're going you're going to talk to somebody. And I did. And it was one of the, the best things that I ever done. I ever did in my life was to get those things up out of me so that I can begin to see, um, I can begin to see things differently from a clearer perspective of what is possible for me. Because before that, I couldn't see anything besides the pain. So Brian, the book is called Blessed by the Best. And for those who have not read it yet, I'm going to encourage you strongly to get that book and read that book. For those who did not see the Hall of Fame induction, induction ceremony, I want to be very clear about this. If you didn't really see possibility and you felt that kind of pain and pressure, I'm going to talk in a minute how you started to flip this on its head. And the fact that it's a daily process, this is ongoing. But you were one of the fiercest, toughest guys ever on the field. You still are. But how dire was it? I mean, when you hit rock bottom, did you ever consider taking your own life? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. It was, it was uh, once you, when you're active, and you, you alluded to this just a little bit earlier, when you're active, you're finding time or you have things that you're doing with your time. So you're not alone with yourself to hear from yourself. But when you're not, and you're driving, let's say you're driving across the Walt Whitman, right? So then now you're thinking about how can I just swerve off to the right or something like that to, to just go ahead and get this thing over with because I can't deal with this pain anymore. When you have, have conversations like that with yourself on a regular basis, yeah, that's not, that's not natural nor normal. And so I, need, I had to do something because either I was going to do that or I was going to live my life and give, give my life basically over to the Lord completely and totally. And that's what I did. Once, once I made that decision to go get that help, what that counseling session did for me is it brought me down off my emotions so I can hear from a vertical perspective, vertical relationship with the Lord, the things I needed to stop doing and some of the things I needed to start doing in order for me to be all that I can be where I was. And mm -hmm. those are some of the disciplines like you just suggested that I did. I do every 
day now. Ever since that first year, ever since I developed this after going through those sessions and I began to do, um, ask myself, how can I um, stay winning going forward? I don't want this to be a mountain, a mountain peak experience. I don't want to get to a, uh, a plateau and then all of a sudden I have nothing to um, not keep me there because I don't want to stay in this, I don't want to stay where I am. I want to continue to climb and get stronger, right? And I have and I am. And that's possible for anybody listening to this. Proud to say this podcast is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Hey, does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another one that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for all the good stuff. Well, let me tell you, let me tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment that you love without all that hassle. It's called DirecTV Stream. And it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. It means no more juggling remotes. No need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there is no annual contract. So get rid of that ugly clutter and all the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. Compatible devices required. Content varies by package. Then, Brian, to that point, I mean, you went and got the help. That was the biggest thing, that there is help available. You can get help. How critical was it? Like, how much of an epiphany or an aha moment was it when you finally understood it's okay to not feel okay? And that's a powerful statement that everybody needs to hear. It's okay not to be okay. But it's not okay to stay not okay, right? Right, because there is help. There's things, there's people, and here's the thing that I think a lot of, and I, and I was like this, that we think that when we tell the counselor, then we have then told told everybody what's going on with us. No, you've told that one person what's going on with you. Nobody else knows what's going on with you. And that's, I believe that's one of the things that's preventing a lot of men, I would say, in particular, from speaking about some of the areas in their lives that they're weak, weak about. And then also that if I say I'm weak in this area, then how can I be strong in other areas? How can I be strong in other if I say I'm weak in this area? No, that's not the way it works. That's not the way it works. You're not going to be, you're not going to be strong in everything that you do. You can get strong, but you're not going to be strong in everything. And if I'm not strong in everything, that means that, hmm, I don't have to do it by myself. I can have someone, call someone, and have a conversation with this individual. If I have four people in my life, I call them my blessed pack now, that I can call at any given time. And we can have powerful conversations about things I may be going through if I need to. Sometimes it's as simple as this, Jim, that I would call and tell them, hey, pray for your boy. No details, no nothing. Just pray for me. I know that they're going to pray for me. I know that they're going to send me some texts, some motivational, inspirational, biblical, sometimes quotes and, 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 uh, and uh, scriptures and whatnot. And if we need to, we'll get on the phone and we'll pray together. That's empowering. Now, I, I had that availability to have that as a rookie, but I refused to do it because I felt I can have to do it at like man up, suck it up, deal with it right? Embrace it. 
you can do that for only so long. You can only white knuckle something for so long. I'll, I'll say it like this. I can only hold 20 pound weights, arm extended for so long by myself. At some point, I'm going to get tired. And when I get tired and that weight begins to go down and I can't control it anymore, it's literally when people in our lives get hurt. Brian, it seems to me, and, I, and I, I really appreciate what you just said, I'm no authority on this, and whether we want to refer to it as mental health or cerebral wellness or both, you don't man up on that, right? It's not just a matter of manning up on mental health or cerebral wellness. It's much bigger than that. You just touched on something, and I've heard you talk about this too that I want to ask you about, and that's the importance of learning to control your emotions instead of letting your emotions control you. Is that the same thing as one of my favorite topics of standard over feelings or mind over feelings. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if it's the same as it, as it, but I, all I know is that you can do it. All of us have the capability of doing exactly what you just stated, controlling our emotions. Our emotions aren't supposed to control us. And when you have that realization that that is a possibility now you're pushing and you're going to a place that you get to decide when you respond a specific way. And I say it like this. Nobody, no, no, nobody has their fingers on my buttons anymore. You know, we use this excuse. You know, they push the last button. Right. No, nobody has their hands on my buttons because the final thing to be done, whatever it is I choose to do, I push that button. So ultimately. It was my decision to do whatever it is I did. Nobody caused me to do anything. Again, unless it's a physical thing and you're punch, punching me, that's different. Self-defense, that's different. But if it's just you saying something to me, I also see it like this. There's a reason why they call it taking offense. That means I have to take offense. Offense can be offered to me and I can leave offense right there. I don't have to take it. And if I don't take it, I can respond to the situation the way that I want to, not react. When I react, that means I'm going to use some of the venom, some of the anger, some of the angst that that person is spewing at me to get back at them. No, I'm going to respond 100% from me because I didn't take your offense. And that's a possibility. And all of us have that. So, again, it's extremely important. And this is something that I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't develop this overnight. No. But it's something that is it's a discipline of how you handle situations, learning the power of breathing, the power of the pause, of taking a deep breath before you speak is so beneficial. Being cool with the being cool and comfortable with the silence that comes from taking that deep breath before you respond. So you're hanging out with a few friends, putting back a few drinks, a few becomes a few too many, and as the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you're thinking of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby, you figure, I got this, I can make it home okay, it's not that big of a deal. What are the odds that you'll get pulled over anyway, right? And even so, what's the worst thing that could happen? Your insurance goes up, you lose your license, you lose your job, you total your car, you kill somebody... Everybody knows about the risks of driving drunk, 
The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still does not stop everybody from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. This is why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. If you think that's okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe. Plan ahead and get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or somebody else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Paid for by NHTSA. Brent, I want to talk to you about some football before we leave this topic altogether. The book is called Blessed by the Best. You know, you mentioned the work that you do. The discipline is the word that I want to get to. There are types of things I would imagine that you do on a daily basis to build and maintain the cerebral wellness we're talking about. Now, most, and I know that you're now in this in this position or this space of you are a life coach, you are a keynote speaker, you're a motivational speaker. Most, if not all of the people, Brian, that I respect most of all, talk about the importance of a consistent morning routine. Do you agree with that? And if so, what is yours? Absolutely, I agree with that. Absolutely, I agree with that. And this is what I developed over that time of gro- growing through what I went through, that rookie, my rookie year especially. I, when I wake up in the morning, the things that I do when I wake up is I have a moment of gratitude before my feet hit the, grow, hit the, hit the uh, carpet, hit the, uh, the floor, excuse me. So it's just, um, thank, you for, thank you, Father, for this day. Th- good morning. Thank you. I literally sit up and just say, good morning. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity. I'm so grateful for this opportunity. And I raise my hands and sometimes I'll shake them out. That's before my feet hit the floor. Then I'll walk over after I use the bathroom. (laughs) Then I'll get some water. I have a glass of water. Sometimes it's lemon water. Sometimes it's regular water or or Nirvana water, which I love to drink. Um, I'll drink that. And then I dive into I pray, excuse me, I meditate first. And when I meditate, I have, it's something called Tranquil on YouTube. And it has uh, basically a camera that's been placed in front of a, a beach. And then you can hear the waves. I don't know if you might can hear the waves in the background. I have it playing right now. But you have the scenery and the sounds of that as I meditate. So I do my breathing, I meditate. Then I pray. I pray by talking first. And then I pray by listening second. Then I journal. And then I move on with my day. And sometimes in that journal, when I, I either journal from the devotional or I'm, I journal from a, a place of gratitude to, to write down those people that I'm grateful for. The situations, the circumstances, the increase that is coming, the bless, whatever the case may be, I'll write those things down, write a couple of those things down. Before I go and set my mindset to dominate this day. So now I've empowered. You know how much juice I have? How much positive juice I have to go and to propel into that day? Also, you know, I'll get, I'll do, do some different, do, do different types of uh, push-ups. That's why I forgot about my push-ups. I'll get some push-ups in during that time as well. At some point during that time, right? So now mentally, I'm sharp because of my meditation. Spiritually, I'm sharp because of my devotion and my prayer, right? And, and listening in my prayer. Wow. Physically, I've got, me some, got my heart rate going up just a little bit, right? And I'm drinking, I've drunk my water, so I'm hydrated. Now, again, I'm ready to dominate that doggone day. So now, any of the goals that I have, the vision that I've set forth in my life, then it's up to me to make 
the right choices to get one step closer to that vision every day. Do something to get me closer to my big vision every day from my goals. I can only imagine that if you were to, and it sounds like you do, do this every single day, how much closer and how much different your life would be to the life that everybody wants to lead. You know, Brian, when you talk about, I'm really curious about this, like when you play the game, was there ever any conflict or anything you had to reconcile between your deep faith and devotion and the inherent violence of the game itself? No, no, because if you look in the rule books, see, I'm, I'm going from the rule books now. The game of football basically says that you can move a grown man from one space to another against his will within the rule books. That's in the rules, right? So from my faith perspective, I'm supposed to do everything I do as unto the Lord. So I'm blessed to be able to play this game. And if I don't go all out, if I don't move this dude from this one place to the other place with extreme prejudice, which is, which is in the rules now, right? Then I'm not giving all that I have, like my father told me to do, on the football field, right? So I'm supposed to do that. I'm supposed to be aggressive because it's in the rules. Now, if it wasn't in the rules, that's different. But I'm, I was supposed to be doing exactly what I was doing because at the, at the same time as me going out playing as, as, as physical as I did, if someone that I hit stayed on the ground long, boom, longer than expected, boom, I'm praying for that individual because I'm not trying to stop this person from earning a living, right? Now, if he's on the sideline talking to the doctor, a couple of series, oh, that's, that, I mean, you know, pain, a little pain, you know, but I'm not trying to injure that person, if that makes sense. But absolutely, I'm trying to deliver some pain because pain prevents you from taking that extra step to get that first down in the fourth quarter or a receiver reaching out his arms to catch a ball in the fourth quarter because, you know, he's, he's gotten tagged in the first quarter, right? So now that potentially saves a third down or a tip pass and we get an interception. So, yes, all of the things, not all of them, sometimes when you walk on the tightrope, you're going to sometimes fall on the wrong side. And I've gotten fined over the years for that. But <laughs> the majority of the time I'm playing within the rules, rules and I'm giving everything that I got to the last of me because I'm supposed to do that. All right, so what we're talking about here, Brian, like for 30 minutes or so, I was talking to Brian Dawkins, and now Weapon X just joined the party. Let me ask you this. Yes, like, did. almost no, you, you are beloved to this day in Philadelphia. You had a great, great career in Philadelphia, but almost nobody finishes their career where they start their career, and then they're told, hey, it's not personal, it's just business. You tell me, Brian, like myself, and I never played the game like that or really on any level past high school, but I never really bought that. I just, I don't buy that. When you give your heart, especially in that sport, when you give your heart and your soul to a city and to an organization and to your teammates, and then you're not offered a contract, do you accept that it's not personal, it's just business, and you just shuffle along? Or maybe did that feel deeply personal? Oh, no, nah, it was deeply personal for me. I, I, <laughs> I'm an emotional cat anyway, so that definitely was not going to fly when it came to how I left the Philadelphia Eagles. And, like, that was extremely painful. I tell people to this day that that was literally me mourning um, a loved one. That's what I felt like. 
I felt like I was literally mourning. I would be tearful. I would be, you know, sad often when I got to Denver. But I knew I, I knew I had to be everything that I could be. And, and whatever I had left in the tank, I had to be that for my new family and my new teammates in Denver. So one of the things that I had to do, and this is a powerful thing for someone. I don't know who this is for, but this is a powerful thing for someone. I had to forgive how they treated me pretty quickly. And it wasn't for them. It was for me. I had to forgive them, whomever it was that decided that I, was, that I was not able to do it at the highest level anymore. I had to forgive them so that I can be everything that I could for my new team. Because if I had resentment for them, as I think it was um, uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Mandela said it, that it's hatred, having hatred someone for someone, excuse me, is like me drinking the poison, hoping it hurts them, right? So if I had that anger and bitterness towards them and hatred and all that stuff, I would be preventing me from being everything that I could be for my new team. And I, what not, I was not going to have that. But guess what I did do with that information? With that, ang that anxiety, not anxiety, excuse me, that, some of that anger, I used it as fuel. And one of the best years that I had in my career I was when I, is when I got to the Denver Broncos. At the age of, what was I then, 35? I had my, one of my best years ever at the age of 35. And a lot of that fuel came from being slighted by a team that I had to forgive. The other thing was I could not and I was not going to allow the decisions of a couple of people to prevent me from keeping a strong connection to the uh, team uh, fan base that um wow that i still can't believe that is me that they love the way that they love and I'm, the feeling is mutual i mean i have my quirky where i have my quirky ways they have their quirky and dark side ways and so we fit like a hand in glove sometimes but i was not going to allow the decision of a couple of people to prevent me from having an ongoing relationship with that wonderful fan base if you're like me, your weekend plans include kicking back and watching live sports, and it doesn't matter what sport you're watching. It's always fun to have a little bit of action, right? Personally, I have my Week 15 eye on that Monday night matchup between Chicago and Minnesota. This is why I recommend downloading the WinBet app right away. Whether you're a recreational player or a serious handicapper, WinBet is your ticket to every exciting wager from straight bets to parlays, teasers, and any exotic prop wager you can think of. The app is so easy to use. Everybody knows that Win is one of the biggest and best brands in the gaming industry, so get off the sidelines and join in on the action. This is why I recommend downloading the WinBet app right away. Download the WinBet app on Google Play or the Apple App Store today. Put yourself in the game. Win with WinBet. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. You do have to be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough WinBet is available. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. I think that's so interesting right there that you were not going to let a couple of guys who made a decision control how you experienced it or the great times that you had with an entire fan base and an organization. I wonder, Brian, like you, I, I mean, talking to you right now, it's quite obvious you're a man of great faith and devotion and humility, but, but you're a proud, proud man and you're an elite athlete. If you go to Denver and you get a fresh start and at 35, you have one of your best years, if I'm not mistaken, you were actually an all pro that year. Was there any part of you, any part of you, let's not forget, you know, you're from the neighborhood too. You've heard things, you've seen things. Was there any part of you that wanted to go like Shaq O'Neal and say, hey, yo, tell me how my ass tastes now? 
<laughs> so I've always been the type of person, even when I was playing and people say I couldn't do it anymore. I was getting older and even when I was still in Philly. And I remember one in particular, I had a rough game against Dallas um, that year, my, my last year there. Um, gave up a couple of plays and all the media was basically saying it was over for me, right? It's over with, I'm done, it's time to move on and all those things. Well, the next week we played against Pittsburgh and I didn't say anything in the paper, nothing. But my whole mindset was that I'm not going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm just going to show you who I am. And I'm not going to do it to prove you wrong. I'm going to go do it to prove me right. And I did. Absolute balled out that next game. Right? So that's how I do it. I'm not going to tell you. Matter of fact, if I do it the way that I believe I'm going to do it, my actions would have spoken so much louder than my words ever could. So by me having the, the year that I had, a successful career, excuse me, year that I had in Philadelphia, uh, excuse me, in Denver that next year, you don't think that reverberated like very loudly back to a place that they kind of begin to struggle a little bit at that position? Absolutely. They knew. They knew. Listen, if somebody listening right now is feeling overwhelmed, feels like there is little or no hope, feels like they don't know where to go, what to do, where to turn, what would you tell that person? What should they do? Wow. There's, there's different numbers. There's different companies um, that you can reach out to that you can call up and you can have that initial conversation to see if that is the person that you would like to have an ongoing conversation uh, uh, to about the things that you need to get out of your system in order for you to be the best version of yourself. Because the things that have happened to you have happened to you. And we're not sweeping those things under the rug anymore. It's time to now confront or get those things out of you so that better and more profound things can be added to you because it's hard for you to pour more into a full cup so once you begin to pour some of that stuff out and allow somebody to help you in that there's different techniques and different things that can be done to help you aside from medicine i'm not even talking about medicine yet i'm just talking about techniques that can help you with this but by you getting some of those things out it you make room for your future success that's what happens it's hard for you to have future success if you're full up with your past. The past hurts. The past. But when you reframe those things and just only take the things that you've learned that empower you into your present, and now you begin to add some other things to help you envision a powerful future to go after, now you got yourself something, a, rep, a recipe that's going to not only bless you, but bless your household. And the way that the word tells me is that I'm supposed to bless my household for generations to come. So a wise man saves up for generations to come. That's what I'm talking about. And again, is I'm not saying you can't do it. It's highly unlikely, though, for you to be able to do that as long as you try to white knuckle these things, these pains, these past hurts by yourself. I'm hearing this loud and clear. It's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way, not when there are resources and help that you can get. Brian, if people want to get your book, Blessed by the Best, and they should, it's a terrific read. Where should they go to get it? No, BrianDawkins.com. And 50% of the proceeds that um, I'm pledging, 50% of the proceeds from the book to go to the Brian Dawkins Impact Foundation. And real quick, 
the Brian Dawkins Impact Foundation, we are blessing young adults. We have 10 schools now, 12, 10, 12 schools now that we giving these cerebral wellness packages to through EverFi. And then we're going to bless them also. We're going to bless some single parents, excuse me, this coming year with some of the resources they need through a company in Philadelphia, starting in Philadelphia first. So that's what's going to happen with 50% of the proceeds that comes from people ordering the Brian Dawkins um, Blessed by the Best, my trip, my journey from Canton and beyond. It is such a powerful message, and it's a powerful conversation and a powerful dialogue, and certainly one, I've heard you say this, and I agree, that should have started sooner, but better late than never. And I'm so glad we're having the conversation, and you were one of the guys who was forging that and leading that. Brian, so great to have you on the show. It is a great book, Blessed by the Best. They should go to briandawkins.com and get it. Appreciate you, Doc. Really good to have a conversation with you, and thanks so much for doing that. That was great. Appreciate you having me, brother. Appreciate you. Brian just brought so much to the side hustle. I'm not even sure where to start. The man obviously has amazing experience in and outside the game of football. As you can tell, he has so much more to offer than just thoughts on the game itself and the gridiron itself. A man of faith, emotional intelligence, and a champion of cerebral wellness. And he brought all of that to this conversation today. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did and you got as much out of that as I did. So if you can, take one second and get ahead of all that high-quality content that we have on deck by hitting subscribe. That way, every one of the future episodes will come right to you and you do not have to go looking for it. While you do that, I'm going to go ahead and do this for you and hit play on your voicemails. First new message. Hey, Jim. Steven Sanderfell here on a late night after watching the whole Warriors game again. (laughs) After the great Steph Curry, who I believe is now like in Muhammad Ali territory, gotta say. Thanks for the Hall of Fame stuff. Keep it going. Love you. Talk to you. Message saved. Next message. What's up, Vance Mac? It's Brady. I want to say thank you for that Christmas card and tell Jano that it looks tremendous as always. Now, there's just one teeny little problem, which is that my refrigerator door hinge is now bent because of the weight of that thing. Now, I don't want to get into whether that's your fault or my fault, but, uh, Uh, How about you just send me $50 and we'll call it even. Thanks and uh, Merry Christmas. Message saved. Next message. Hey, Jim Rome. It's your man, Lendale White here with a message for your boy, Rogan Lone. Listen, Ohio State still sucks. Thanks, Jim. Message deleted. Next message. Hey, Jim. Rob from Reno. Another dream last night. I was at your house. I had parked an RV in your garage. I'm hanging out, and Janet comes up to me, and she gives me two $1,000 bills. I'm like, why are you giving me this? And she says, because Jim backed into your RV, and I hope this will cover the damages. And I was like, oh, my God, that's amazing. And then I saw you as I was leaving, and I thanked you for being so classy. So thanks, man. That was uh, really cool. Message deleted. You have no more messages. Okay. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. 
because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.